and uh, we'll get uh, the overhead going, and, uh, uh, and uh, we're going to continue looking here um, at Satan's church. And this is something that uh, I, I, I've been thinking about. And last year, this is 22, so 21, I did like 17 weeks of the big picture and all of this. And that kind of prompted me to start. So I started studying in on uh, Satan and his, the adversary. And I spent the, the last year almost teaching the men's fellowship this information. So I was like, well, let's summertime, people are in and out. Let's do this now. And it's wonderful to be able to study the Word of God and then to have it impact our lives on a daily basis in the manner of our understanding. I, the, the, the most crazy thing I think I ever heard a preacher ever say and he did it to me directly, not in a message or anything, was, you can't know that. And I went, yes, I can, and here are the verses. And he says, enough, and he, and he don't ever call me again, don't talk to me, blah, blah, okay? When he said, you can't know, I'm like, God wrote it, I can get it. Now, I may have to adjust my thinking to understand, but what? It's there. I can understand this, okay? So I got to look at, Paul, uh, Paul says, consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding, and what? All things. So I was like, so I know we can understand this. Sometimes we have to jettison some of the old way or even in, or embrace the way we've always thought about it, and that's fine. First Timothy 4, we started last week here in verse 6. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 6. For if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Our dearly Father, we thank you for the morning again, Lord. We thank you for your word. And as we look into this issues here of the adversary and the vehicle and his message, the lie program, that we would do so with our hearts opened for that instruction so that we can identify the, these issues in our own lives and then be able to handle them and to be able to answer them from a believing perspective. And in your name we pray, amen. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, and the these things are verse 1, so go back up there. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving, who de, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them, which, what? Believe and know the truth. Step one, believe and know. Verse Four, for every creature of God is good, nothing to be refused if received by thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by what? The word of God and prayer. So we have a formula. We're, gonna, we're looking at these things, the issue of the seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils and the speaking the lies and the lie program. The, the adversary has a, a counter a false wisdom, a counter-wisdom to the true wisdom of God. And we began last time looking at that issue of the vehicle that he established 
back in Genesis 10 with Nimrod, and it carries all the way out to the, its ultimate conclusion, which is in the, Adv uh, the Antichrist there in Revelation 17, okay? So we begin to look at it, and we begin to identify some things from Scripture. And we went back into the judges and so forth, and we saw that the, this vehicle... First of all, the message is the lie message. Romans 1.25, a wonderful verse that summarizes the lie. Okay, They take the truth of God and make it what? A lie. How? How do they make the truth of God worshiping the creature more than the creator? And that's, that is what Satan did to Adam and Eve. That's how he got Eve to look around at the creatures rather than listen to the creator. He do this, and again, last year when we were talking about the, the program, we'll, we'll hit this again as we go. You know what he looks at Eve and says, you know, God doesn't want you to know something. So if you join me, I will give you that wisdom and that knowledge. I will decode the code for you. So then we have a conspiracy and we have all this different things and we have all this stuff going on and we get all wrapped up in the deep state and we get all wrapped up in this and that and you know what the adversary does he just sits back and laughs because what is he trying to do he's just trying to get you carried away by every wind of doctrine he's just trying to move you away he god says this is the real conspiracy this is the real deep state this is the guy behind the scenes pulling the strings you remember there and in Ezekiel, when he talks there to the prince of Tyra and the, the king of Tyrus, and he's talking about you were in the Garden of Eden, and you go, well, who's in the Garden of Eden? It was just Adam and Eve and, and the Lord. Well, the adversary was there. So he's really talking to the guy behind pulling the strings. Paul will call it in Ephesians 2, the course of the world, the children of disobedience, the children of wrath. The, you're under the power of the prince the power of the air you know and he's like and that's really what we're after here so when we look around and we see society go the way it's going we should never be shocked okay i'll be honest with you i'm surprised it has taken as long as it has in this country to be where we are today because when you look around the world where we are today the world's been there for a very long time they've already been there when you look at the history just Looking at the social, social history, we've just taken, why? Because we've had a, a, a restraint, it was called the word of God, in, in, the, in the fabric of our country. Regardless of whether believer or non-believer, there was always this fabric of being moral. That's no longer the case. It's, it's, it's just, it's gone. It was said it takes one generation to lose the truth. It takes four generations to get it back. So by the time, if whoever comes back, I, most of us will be long gone. <laughs> okay, But the Lord won't tarry, and he'll come back, and he'll get on with it. And that's the wonderful thing with it, honestly, is we know the end of the story, don't we? We know the victor, and he will be victorious. And so when you look around, you go, oh, my goodness, you shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't be shocked. And I know we are, and I know we see that, but there's a reason. There's a vehicle the adversary has. It, we saw last time it's associated with the city. It has a geographical area that it's associated with. It has uh, colors, purple and scarlet. It has a golden cup as its 
symbol. It has uh, images, the teraphim, that, that aid of worship. It's got an ephod, the, the robe, the long clothes, the, the vestments, they're called, for the priest. It's got priests that go by the name of Father. It's got, they bow, they kiss the ring, they kiss the calf, they, all of that worship. It, get, it, it was introduced into the tribes of Israel through the tribe of Dan. But it was, not, it was made the official, lang, uh, official language, official religion of Israel under King Ahab and Queen Jezebel with Ethbaal. Boom, Baal worship. That's what it's called in Scripture. The Lord looks at the Pharisees and call, talks to them about their vain religious system. Paul says, you know my history in the Jews' religion. It's interesting in John where the Lord will say, it was the Jews' Passover. Like, hmm, why, 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 I wonder why he says it like that. <laughs> and not the Lord's Passover, because it's his. Pa why? Well, because they've what? They've come in and they've, 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 They've done what Baal worship is after, and it's called a simulation. You got 1 Timothy? We're going to leave the board for just a minute. Come over to 2 Thessalonians 2. You see, the goal of Baal worship is, what is, is a simulation. We're all back underneath the one umbrella. Growing up, it was always the Catholics versus the Protestants. Now, all of that's called... Christianity. The Mormons are called Christianity. You know what they used to be called? A cult. I've got a book that has uh, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Buddhas, the Islam people, all those under the, high, the, the title of the chapter is a cult. Why? The other chapters are Catholic and Protestant. Look at 2 Thessalonians 2. Here's where this stuff ends. Verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. He's talking about the Antichrist. Now watch. Who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is what? Worshipped. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now there's a lot going on there, but what I want you to see is what does the Antichrist do under the working of the false prophet and that vain religious system that we looked at last time in Revelation 17, the, the mother of harlots, mystery Babylon, and all that. By the way, we're going back there in just a minute, okay? All of that, what's going on there? It's going to assimilate down into one guy sitting there saying, I rose on the third day, just as Scripture said, see, I did it, so I am God, and he's going to cause all that is worshipped. You know what that means? That means Buddha and Muhammad and all those guys are going to come where? Right to him. So you don't need to worry about the Muslims. Why? Well, you do, should worry about them. You know what they need to hear? They're sinners and they need a Savior. <laughs> And we have a savior. But you know why? Because here's the real deal, folks. Here's what's happening here. And again, we saw this, that issue of being assimilated in. Come, come back with me to Judges chapter 2. I'll get off of that and get back in. You know, all of this flows through your mind and you go, wow, look at this. I want to remind you of this. And the reason I say I want to remind you rather than teach you about this is because it's here in the scripture. 
And we've talked about some of this over the, the years, but now I'll just kind of bring it all in here to the center. We'll get over and look in Ephesians 4 where, the, where Paul will use a term, led captivity, captive. And we'll look at that issue of the captive. What's, who's captive and the captivity there? And we'll see this, and it starts right here. Judges chapter 2. So the, the issue of Baal worship or the vain religious system, it's introduced by King Ahab with Jezebel. They've got altars. They've got high places. They sacrifice. They've got houses of gods and houses of worship. And again, it's all done under the guise of assimilating everything back under one world religion. One world thing, and again, Genesis 10, Genesis 11, Nimrod, here it is. So we start in Genesis 10, we break it all down, and we end up in Revelation over there, and right back where we started, with the oneness. And it's all going to focus in on worshiping what is called, who is called the Queen of Heaven. Look at Judges 2. Again, we can look around and see this vehicle prominently in the Roman Catholic Church. But I'm going to tell you, don't miss the Protestant churches and don't miss the other religions out there, okay? Because they're just as bad. They may have different names, but guess what it is? Same stuff, okay? Now, we focus in on Rome because it's right there in our face all the time. But, man, I tell you what, you get into how the Muslims worship and what they do and how they say and what they have and what's going on in their little temple areas and stuff, and you know what it is? It's right out of the pages of this stuff. It's right, they use different language, different terms. <clears throat> I talked to a, a young man one, just here, I, well, I was on, I was on the campus of ASU passing out tracks until I got kicked off by campus security, because I didn't have the right pass. <laughs> and the guy goes, I'm not against what you're doing, and I'll take one, but you don't have the right paperwork, so I'm like, okay, where do I go get the right paperwork? He goes, over here. So he takes me to the administration. They were just closed for the day, you know. So I'm like, oh, okay. But anyway, and you, you get in there. And so I was talking to a young man, and he, he was Muslim. Actually, he was of the Baha'i faith, which is an offshoot of Muslims. And Baha'i is everybody loves everybody, and everybody gets along, and it's along the Sikh religion idea, okay? And so I get to talking to him, and they've got the Bob. Well, the Bob's like 50,000 people. Different thing, And so I get to talk, and I'm like, but wait, all roads lead back to who? To God. And that's the issue. And I'm like, yeah, that ain't going to work. And I gave him the gospel, and he said, I know, I understand, thank you, but I just don't believe. I said, okay. You know, and we left on good terms. Judges 2, but in that conversation, he had a female deity that he kept referring to, and I will not butcher the name trying to say it again, okay, because I just won't do that anymore. Judges 2, look at verse 8. Judges 2, verse 8. And Joshua the son of Nun, by the way, that's a great trivia thing, isn't it? Who didn't have any fathers or mothers? Joshua, he's the son of Nun. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, the servant of the Lord died being 110 years old. So Joshua is off the scene, okay? Verse 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Look at what they don't know. 
This is a new generation. They don't know Joshua and all that he did. That's a drop of the ball by mom and dad and by grandma and grandpa. They should have been what? Teaching the kids about who? About Joshua. They don't know. And the children, verse 11, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served who? Balaam. Baal. Verse 13. And they, well, verse 12. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. Now, is that what Joshua did? No, Joshua did Numbers 33. We looked at it last time. He went in and uh, actually, we didn't look at that here. We looked at that in the men's meeting. <laughs> he dispossesses the enemy. He goes in and he wipes them out completely. What do these guys do? They don't do that. They keep the good things. You know, they throw out the, the bad things and they keep the gold, silver, and precious. They keep the good. They weren't supposed to do that. Supposed to get rid of all of it. Verse 13. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and Astaroth. So Baal, male deity, Astaroth, female deity. Isn't that interesting? They don't just serve God. They serve who? Male and a female. Come over to chapter 10. Now, this is why last time we started in the book of Judges, because in the book of Judges is where this stuff gets introduced into Israel through the tribe of Dan. Judges chapter 10. Judges 10. Look at verse 6. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth. Now watch. And the gods of Syria and the gods of Zidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the Philippines and forsook the Lord and served not him. Woo! Look, they're a little messed up, aren't they? They, they, but how did they get there? Chapter 2. They didn't know what truth was. See that? They didn't get it. Come over to Jeremiah, chapter 7. Jeremiah, chapter 7. Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah 7. And look, if you will, here at verse 18. Jeremiah 7, 18. What are they doing? They're following Baal, but they're also worshiping Ashtaroth, the female deity. At Jeremiah 7, verse 18. The children gathered wood, and the fathers kindled the fire, and the, woman, the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Now, uh, the context here. The Lord's talking to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, you go say this to Israel and so forth, okay? By the way, the, what Jeremiah is telling them is that you're about to go off into captivity. Jeremiah 7, 18. You're going to captivity. That's where you're headed. You with me? But what are they doing? Why are they going into captivity? They're over here worshiping the queen of heaven. Now, in Scripture, this lady, the female deity, she's going to be identified for us as Ashtaroth, but she's also given a title, Queen of Heaven. So the local church down here that's got Queen of Heaven in her name, now we got a bell go off that says, wait a second, what's going on there? 
is a forsaking of the truth and a following the lie. We can identify that. Okay? Now come over to chapter 44. Chapter 44 of Jeremiah. Chapter 44. Jeremiah 44. You have Jeremiah. The word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. And he's going to talk to, verse 1, Jeremiah 44, 1. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews which dwell in the land of Egypt, which dwell at Migdal and at Taphanes and Nopha, I'm sorry, Noph, and in the country of Pathos, saying. So, Jeremiah's told them, you're going off into Babylonian captivity, and you know what the Jews did? Some of them got out of town. We're leaving. So they run. So the word of the Lord comes to that group of people that go down into Egypt and into these territories. Verse 15. He talks to them. He gives them the word. Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods, and all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt and Pathos, answered Jeremiah, saying. So now they're going to reply back to Jerry. As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. Oh, dear is right. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth. So what are we going to do? We ain't going to obey truth. We're going to do it our way. We're not going to serve and worship the, cre- the creator. We're going to worship and serve the creature. We're going to do it our way. And you know what we're going to do? Well, we're going to burn incense under the queen of heaven. Notice, not to Baal, but to who? Queen of the heaven. Because now we have a female deity. You know, in the religions, out Mormons and so forth, and they have a mother god, a a mother of God. Well, God doesn't have a mother, but they have. Why? Because they have to work this female deity issue in. That way they can put emphasis on everything female. By the way, this takes nothing away from ladies. Okay, This is just the lie. And to pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings, our princes. Now watch. In the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, for then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. Think about that. Notice the cities of Judah. Judah's the southern, the southern tribe. And where are they? They're in the same place that the northern ten under the attack of the Assyrians. We saw it last time. Assyria comes in and totes them away. Judah, God says to Judah, look at what's happened to your sister. You better straighten it up or it's happening to you. And guess what's happening? It's happening. That's why they're going off into Babylonian captivity. Now watch verse 18. Okay, verse 15, 16, we ain't doing what the Lord says. We're going to do our way. You know what we're going to do? We're going to keep doing the religion we're doing. Because when we did that, we saw no evil. Now watch their thinking here at the end of verse 17. We saw what? No evil. Verse 18, but since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by, the, and by famine. When we were, well, verse 19, 
And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? Then Jeremiah said unto all the people, and off he goes. You know what they're saying? When we were over here in Jerusalem and doing what the word says, we suffered. But when we over here in the religious system, worshiping and burning incense and having a drink offering and have cakes to eat to queen of heaven, we saw no evil. Do you see what they're basing which way they go on? Circumstance. Experience. Now, we all know our experiences are fickle because they're an emotion. We know our circumstances aren't what is the issue because they what? They change. Could you imagine? You know, here it is. What, is, what was it yesterday? 106 or whatever the other day? What if tomorrow it was 50 below? You would be an ice cube. You would know, you, you know, I don't even think our heaters can warm up to the housing sure isn't built for it right it's built for what 106 so what changed circumstance now how i respond in that is going to be the same throw another log on the fire put another blanket on the bed turn the heat way up <laughs> okay but notice these guys what do they do they say we saw no evil when we were in the system but now that we're out of the system you know that Paul says, yea, all who will live godly shall suffer persecution? Do you know, you know that? If we live according as who we are in Christ, and we come about and we be that ambassador, what's going to happen to you and I? We're going to suffer. Now, it's going to look different because everybody's different. You're still going to take it. But you still do what? You still do it. They hadn't gotten there. Now, notice the three things that they worship. They burn incense. So they're praying to Queen of Heaven. They're praying. Then they have a drink offering. Now, this gets hokey. Because, hold on to Jeremiah. Go run over to Psalm 16. Because, <clears throat> get Psalm 16, and then run out with me real quick to uh, Revelation 17. And we're off the board, by the way. I know we got down to Jeremiah. We might not even finish that today because I look at the clock and I am looking forward to lunch greatly. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I missed breakfast or something. But so when, and the reason I say that is you didn't hear it, but my stomach just growled. And I'm like, what are you doing down there? Knock it off, you know. But look at, look at Psalm 16 and look at verse 4. Verse 1, preserve me. Oh God, for in thee do I put my trust. Look at David. Look at what David is saying here. By the way, I don't know, you ought, if your Bibles ought to have the little titles underneath it. I know there's a great conversation about it. But in every Greek text or Hebrew text I've ever looked, do you know that, that it's called the, the Mitchum of David? It's in, the Hebrew, it's in the Hebrew text. It's just down in the text. You know, it's in that first, it's not separated out like we do. Mitchum, it's a prayer or meditation. Look at David's heart here. O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent and whom is all my delight. 
their sorrows shall be multiplied that hastened after what? Another God. Their drink offerings of what? Blood. Will I not offer nor take up their names into my... You see that drink offerings of blood? Now run over to Revelation 17 where we were last week. And look at verse 6, Revelation 17, 6. Verse 5, upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of who? The blood of the saints. You see that drink offering back in Jeremiah 44 that they're offering? It's the blood of who? The saints. But do you remember Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 and she takes of that grape? We've talked about that. Okay, thank you. Here, let me hear your head rattle. Okay. And that grape and the wine is called the blood of the grape. So what do they do in the vain religious system? They get a chalice. They put a little wine in it. And they go, hocus pocus, mini, mini, mo, your daddy beat my daddy in dominoes, wham, bam, and it's now what? Blood. You thought that was just made up in the first and second century. It's been going on since Genesis, really Cain and four, okay? But it has its renewal in Nimrod and ten because of the flood. You see, then he, then he says they make cakes in the worship. Three things. They burn the incense, so they're praying. By the way, prayer, praying for the saints, incense, the burning of it. You've heard of praying for the dead, trying to pray them out of purgatory. High mass, low mass, you know, high pay, high mass, low pay, no, you know, no mass. <laughs> okay, they devour the whole households. We looked at it last time. What are they doing? Going in and you don't pay, pay enough, so I can't pray him out of purgatory. Purgatory was a more recent invention. You know why? They needed to raise funds for the church. So how do we get to do that? Well, we do an abracadabra, a zibzamboo, a my daddy beat your daddy in dominoes, and there it is. Now we've got it. And, but we have to have some scriptural basis. So now we reach over here and we do what? We twist up the scripture because we have to look right, sound right, to get the people to do what? Fall for the lie. Think about, yea, hath God said. What did Satan say? He changed one word here, changing, caused Eve to change a whole bunch of words over here. He lessens it here, and he just, he still is quoting what? Scripture. When the Lord is tempted of, of, the, of the adversary, what did the Lord say? As it is written. You know what Satan finally clued in about the third one? Yeah, it's written, and he quotes Scripture back. Now, he misquotes it. Actually, he leaves a whole section out of that passage, and the Lord corrects him. <laughs> See, what, being scriptural isn't always, you've got to be what? You've got to have the truth. You're dispensational, we would say. You've got to have the truth. What are they doing here? Cakes, wafers. Think about communion. A lot of you guys come from a re religious background. That's why, by the way, we do... Communion here, we call it the Lord's table because it's designed to be a fellowship meal. 
It's designed to be a fellowship meal about remembering him and who we are in him and our oneness in him. And we set the tables up next door. We have a potluck. We have, we have lunch together. And who's the focus of the lunch? He is. That's all that is. But you know what, the, you know what Paul says there too in 1 Corinthians 10? You can't participate with the table of devils and the table of the Lord. Why? One's the lie, one's the truth. And you have to decide which one you're going to be in. And these pictures are here. So they have a supernatural, superstitious source that when they ring the bell and they say they're whatevers, it does what? It all transforms into the flesh and the blood of Christ. And he, they make you accountable. And they do it instantly. And they do it un, unto, notice here in Jeremiah 44, to who? Queen of heaven. So, throughout history, you have, she has different names. Here, Astaroth, Assyria, Astaroth. Rome. Rome called her a lot of things, but Venice was the big one. You remember Acts 19 in Ephesus? Great is Diana. There's the Greeks. The Egyptians have Easter. We, we get our word Easter from it because her picture has is one with a bunny with eggs at its feet. By the way, it's spelled with an I, I-S-T. That's why, that's why I say Eister, because it's an I, okay? The Chinese call her Xing Moon. The Indians call her Isi or Isis or Isi, something like that. Roman Catholics call her Mary. Christians call her Mary. She's there all through history. It's fascinating. It's also very dangerous because what is it promoting the creature more than the creator you know why that's so critical oh come on. oh this is so fan come back to hebrew uh, revelation you can might as well forget your hand out and forget the overhead we will do the hand come over here to revelation 14 uh yeah revelation 14 you know this stuff is so connected and when we get into it, we'll get over, we'll spend some time in Genesis 1, in Genesis 2, in Genesis 3. Because what happens is, is we tend to go to Genesis 1 to get all of our creation data. I'm going to encourage you not to do that. I'm going to encourage you to go to Job and Psalms and Isaiah. Because when Moses writes Genesis, he's, they are on the brink of going into the land. Moses can't go into the land. You, know, you remember why? He hit the rock instead of speak to the rock. He, he hit the rock, i.e. Christ crucified, they were taken care of. Then he was to speak to the rock, but he hit the rock again. Well, Christ isn't going to be smacked twice, so you can't go in. So as he's sitting there, as Israel's ready to go into the land, he writes the first five, the first five books. And he writes to tell Israel of where they've been, but really what's happening where they're going. Numbers 33, you're going to go in and dispossess the inhabitants and then possess the land. And this is how you're going to do it. Deuteronomy, that whole re-gift. Why? Because you got it. They messed up. You're going to do this and so forth. So when we get into this, I'm hoping to draw some connections. Revelation 14 is a wonderful connection to this. In Genesis 1 to 11, he's talking to Gentiles. 
in chapter 12, we find out that he's going to call out Abraham. But do you know what Abraham was? He's a Gentile. And actually, in 17, he's still a Gentile. He just has a circumcision issue now. The Hebrew and the Jew and Israel don't happen until when? The exodus out of Egypt, where he, the nation is born. Up until that point, they're still the seed of Abraham, if you need a special title, okay? So look at Hebrews, I'm sorry, Revelation 14, verse 6. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. That ought to draw yourself to Genesis 10, where he divides up the three boys, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, according to what? Tongues and languages and family groups. So who's, he, who's this angel going to talk to? The Gentiles. Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come. Now watch. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of the water. Who's that? That's the creator. So what's Romans 1.25 say they do? They take the truth of God and turn it into a lie. Doing what? Worshiping the creature more than the and what's that angel going to tell those Gentiles at the end times down there to do? You better be worshiping the Creator. By the way, that passage in Revelation, come back with me to 1 Kings. I gotta get, I, we need to finish this up, and then we'll start with Revelation 17 next time. That passage in Revelation 14, for me, and this is only for me, you can use it, lose it, argue with me, I won't argue with you, but you can have a difference of opinion, and that's fine. I, that's a passage that I believe that in Galatians 1, Paul's referring to when he says, we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, i.e., therefore, Revelation has already been written, and it's sitting on the table in front of Paul. Okay? I know you can go to John and use things in John, but I'm, for me, for Paul, he says, why would he say such a thing if he can't what? Read it. That means it's right there. Okay, now, 1 Kings. That's just a little for me. Uh, f uh, 1 Kings 11. Let's go there. 1 Kings 11. So we've got the queen of heaven. We've got this female deity. She has different names over history, over time. You, if you Wikipedia queen of heaven, you get a lot of weird things. And if you say the female deity, you get a lot of weirder thing. Um, why? Because this stuff just what? It just rolls out. Because what are they promoting? The lie. The vehicle that Satan has established to carry the lie, to promote the lie, to protect the lie, to merchandise it, Ezekiel says, is the vain religious system. 1 Kings 11. 1 Kings 11, now verse 1, But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughters of. Now, you see that thing about strange women? That isn't one's got a limp and one's got a titch or any of that, okay? I'm sorry, all right? It isn't one's a goofball and one's dead serious. That issue of the strange goes back over there to Nehemiah and talks about, or, and, and, and back in Moses where they have to marry within the land. Strange, outlandish women. Okay? Now, verse 2. 
of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. By the way, that's Deuteronomy 17. Okay? Solomon's got a problem. First of all, he's got a lot of, whew, you know, what's the old saying? I pity a man who's so, so tough to say one wife is not enough. <laughs> you know, with one wife, there's a mother-in-law. That's just enough to say an uncle, right? You know, that's the jokes, okay? Don't write me. Don't email me. It's just a joke, all right? But see, the thing is, is what? What's happened to him? He's turned his heart. Now, if you keep studying this stuff out, you find out that he's up in Lebanon, and he's got a great white throne, and it's got 666 all over it. Now, he takes that ivory throne of ivory, and he covers it in gold because he's got it, but so the, white, the great white throne of judgment, we understand, it's sitting there on earth, Solomon's sitting on it, and it's up in that northern territory of Le- Lebanon area, up on the coast. Then you roll that over and uh, where he's sitting in the, the, the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, and you draw that down and you get it. And the next thing you know, he's sitting on the earth, which is going to mirror where the heavenly. And the next thing you know, you're going, holy cow, look at that. I can't understand this. Wow, look at this. Woo. And you go, man, Rick, you're a little nuts. And I go, I know, you know. But it's okay because it's my imagination. It's, and I'm trying to remind you. I didn't even get to verse 5, did I? Verse 5. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorite. Do you see Ashtaroth, but do you see Milcom? There's another name for the queen of heaven. Solomon is covering his bases. See that? Come down to verse 33. Because they, that they have worshipped me, I'm sorry, they have forsaken me, and have worshipped Astaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemosh, Milcom. You see, those, those are the names of the same female deity. And have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments as David his father. What in the world has happened? Solomon has been carried away by what? That vain religious system. But who did it? He did it by not being where he's supposed to be in the truth. He's over here dabbling where he ain't supposed to be dabbling. The strange women, outlandish women. Not supposed to be over there. Be over here. He's, what, forsaken the truth. Come over, come back to Acts 7. On your way, stop in Song of Solomon. The last chapter. We know this song, a wonderful thing. I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes. Last chapter of Ecclesiastes. Wonderful book, Ecclesiastes. I, I, spent, I spent some time one time going through this book, looking at all of the different philosophies of men, Ecclesiastes 12, look at verse 1. Solomon gets to the end of his search for wisdom, 
And he says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, remember Jehoshaphat, or remember Rehoboam. Remember, he says, remember who? The creator. Because what's the philosophy of the world doing? Getting away from the creator. Verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole, whole duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. What is, what is this commandments to you and I today? Let's be dispensational. Let's be true. Let's follow the apostle Paul. Let's be scriptural but dispensational. Let's be where we're supposed, let's be who we're supposed. See, you, it's, that's the, it hasn't changed. Now come over to Acts 7, because Stephen brings up something that's one more point, and then we'll, 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 we'll draw this to a conclusion. Look at Acts 7 for this morning. Look at Acts 7, and look at verse 43. Now again, Stephen is preaching. He's getting them. He's on them. He's re dress rehearsing their history, and, and really in this re dress rehearse, re, re giving the history lesson again, he's pointing out literally how all of the times that the nation rejected the oracles of God. They rejected the word of God given to them. In verse 43, he says, Yea, ye took up the tabernacle of Moloch, and the star of your God, Rimpham. Now then that figures which ye made to worship them. And I will carry you away in Babylon. Now, that's Amos. That gets Old Testament. But notice that they're worshiping Moloch. So there's another name for the male deity. But they have a star. See that star? Of who? Of Repham. Repham. R-E-P-H-A-M is the way it is in, the, in Wikipedia. He's got a star. Do you know what sits on the Israel flag today? A star. And they say that that, come back to Leviticus 18. They say that that star is the symbol of Israel. Now, I know what happens. Everybody goes, well, it's a six-headed and not a five-headed. But you know what? It doesn't matter. That, that is drawing away from the real deal. Why do they have a star on there to begin with? Because what are they caught up in? A vain religious system. See? Look at Leviticus 18. Look at 18 and verse 21. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to who? Molech. There's Moloch. That's what Stephen's talking about. This stuff, we're in Leviticus. We're back in the beginning, aren't we? And what do they got going on? They got a star. They got a whole corrupted situation. Now, the real symbol, come to Exodus 3. They throw a star. They call it the Star of David. Do you know that David never had a star they call it that because of the star that sits over the Lord and his birth. And they, you know, they start pulling. But David, you know what David's symbol was? 
a little slingshot with some stones. That's his symbol. Now, he takes the head of Goliath off with the sword. So you could say the sword on the shield would be that too. See, David was a king of, of war. He's called the bloody man. Why? Because he didn't sit around and go, oh, look at the stars. He went out there and boom, let's get it on, right? But look at Israel. Look at what Israel's real symbol is. Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and beheld the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. The real symbol of the nation of Israel is the burning bush. But if you put that up on the flag, do you know what you got to do? You got to go back in now and explain the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the religious system will not allow that to happen. Because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is what? Truth. The system is promoting the lie. The stuff is everywhere. He is everywhere. It's everywhere. Why? Because what's the lie? What's the adversary's goal? He, folks, he can't get you out of Christ if he tried to use C4 on you. But what can he do? He can draw you away. And how does he do that? He makes you concentrate on you. So what do we have in church? We have smoke and mirrors. We have five-piece band. We got this, we got that, we got bam, we got boom. And you know what happens? We get an hour and a half of music and worship, quote unquote, and we get 20 minutes of a, they don't, you know, I heard a guy the other day, he went 25 minutes, he never quoted one Bible verse. And he's a prominent preacher in a, one of the prominent mega churches in this country. Uh, he's not the senior, he's the associate. He never used one Bible verse. He quoted he tried to quote Proverbs because it comes out of a, a polluted text. In Proverbs, he says, a soft answer turneth away wrath. And that's what his message was because of the shooting and everything that has happened. And he even butchered that because that verse follows a whole ton of verses about having truth <laughs> and wisdom and knowledge, and, and he didn't have that. Now, come over real quick to... Go back to 1 Timothy 4. Again, we're off the page, and we'll pick up and do more next time. Go back to 1 Timothy 4 and verse 6, where we started. When Paul says, hey, you want to be a good minister? You need to remind. I love that. Remind the brethren. That's family talk. You're family. That's how we remind. Why? How are we going to do that? To know the truth, right? To believe the truth. Then to come over and to have it sanctified. Have it separated out by the word of God, rightly divided. And then by prayer, energize it. The brethren. Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But what? Refuse 
profane and vain wives' fables. There's the system. Profane. Profane isn't curse words. It's, it's profane in that it's the lie. Wives' fables. He, he later will tell Timothy, silly women laden with sins. It isn't about the women being silly or, or that. It's about what? It's about how, the, how does the adversary work to get into that local assembly as he usually goes through the women because they are the weaker vessel when you think about the hierarchy. Why did he go to Eve and not Adam? We, there's a hierarchy. Usurping it. Okay? What are we to do? Well, I'll be honest with you. We're not to go out there looking for it. Sometimes you see people, I see people's ministry, and they are out looking for the error. I think that's dangerous because then what consumes you? Looking for the error and not promoting the truth. I think we promote the truth. The error is there. We're identif- I'm trying to identify it for you. Now, we just looked at the, the, the obvious, the queen of heaven, the star, the house, the church, the father, the pre, all that. And you, when we, we'll go next time. We'll start in Revelation 17. We'll start getting down into the minutia of this, and it is scary because it is not brain surgery. It's just a little subtle. It's a su- he, 2 Corinthians 11, how the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtitle. Subtlety, it's hard not to say the B, subtil, the B silent, I know, that he would corrupt what? Your minds from the what? Simplicity that's in Christ. When the adversary fell and he says, I will be like, he develops a wisdom plan called the lie. God Almighty could have easily said, you're dust, get out of here, we're going to start over. But he didn't. He said, no, I have a wisdom plan. And we're going to allow my creature, man, to make a choice of his own free will which way he's going to go. I'm going to reveal everything out about what's going to happen. By the way, there's a consequence by by choosing wrong, isn't there? I'm going to lay all that out. You You know what Satan does? I'm not going to lay out the consequence. I'm just going to hold it back and just try to get, and he's going to hang the carrot in front of the horse. God says, here it is. Yeah. We need to see that. Because what happens is, is we start seeing it around us, and we even start seeing it in some of the stuff we say and do. And you know what Paul says? What fellowship have? What concord have? You don't get out of that. Clean it up. You have to do it for you. I can't do it. I, all I can do is remind you. Put it in front of you. You got to, why? Because it's a choice of your will to do that. Sometimes some of us are stuck in it. We like it. It feels good, tastes good, smells, makes us feel so good. I got up this morning. I get dressed. I get to wear my cufflinks, my flag cufflinks because it's, you know, and, oh, you know, prim and pro, you know, we get that. Some of us don't like that. Some of us, and Paul says, Nope. Let's get in the truth. Here's the hard reality. Okay? All right. We'll catch Revelation 17 and follow. We'll do Satan Church number three next week. Okay?
All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for who we are in your son, for all the spiritual blessings, for the completeness, for, every, for the seated in heavenly places that's ours because we are in you. We thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that we would take that to heart and then to go live that way in our lives on a daily basis as who we are in your son. In your name we pray, amen.